listeners welcome back to take to take this is our third season we're second episode into i guess the third half or third part of this radio show my name is patrick talent and i am joined alongside as always nick robinson and luke burrows we are changing things up today i thought i would try hosting and we have quite a few things to talk about so i don't want to waste any more time i think we should get right into it uh, the first bit of news, um, there's been sort of a lack of activity in trades, and on Wednesday night, the Toronto Maple Leafs acquired Jack Campbell and Kyle Clifford, and to LA, we saw Trevor Moore, 2020 third-round pick, and a conditional 2021 third-round pick. What do we think of the trade? Do we like it? I think uh, you said it pretty clearly there uh <clears throat> toronto or sorry that there was a lack of action and toronto was kind of falling out of the spotlight so they wanted to make a move to get back in the spotlight and that's that okay no. keep luke keeping uh, it brief no uh, i i mean it's a it's a it's a secondary trade there's nothing uh major there i mean yeah. it it was a it made sense for the leafs obviously uh with their goaltending situation and if they were to add uh, another piece. Uh, if LA were to add another piece, uh, a guy like Clifford makes sense. So I, yeah, I think it it, it works out. Uh, yeah, for me, this is like it's one of those examples of the stars really aligning on a trade. Um, there were some rumors last year, I think, around the trade deadline that yeah. the Leafs were looking at Kyle Clifford, but with his contract then having a year and a half on it, he's a UFA this summer. At that point, when it was a year and a half. I think the salary retention wouldn't have made much sense for Toronto at that point. Or, sorry, for L.A. It would have made a lot of mm-hmm. sense for Toronto, but they wouldn't have benefited from that. So that's a good time now to bring in Kyle Clifford. Like, he's an effective player. He'll slot in nicely into their bottom six. And, uh, again, it comes back to their issue with backup goaltending that's lasted them and plagued them pretty much this entire year. Um, it's a confidence thing, again, for the team because they just – clearly didn't have any trust in Michael Hutchison. No. Michael Hutchison didn't have any confidence in himself, clearly. So it's a vote of confidence to the players and a boost for them thinking, okay, we've got somebody else back there now. We don't know who he is yet, yeah. but maybe we can trust him a bit more than we did Michael Hutchison. And at the same time, I think the underrated part in this, it's a big boost for Jack Campbell. Jack Campbell, whether he's better than Hutchison, that's anybody's guess right now. That's sort of up for debate. He had a good year last year, but he's you know, struggled a bit this year. He's got term on his contract, and it's going to be a good opportunity for him. It's a big vote of confidence from Kyle Dubas to Jack Campbell saying, hey, I, we're a contending team from his point of view. You're going to come in here, and you're going to get lots of game time. You're going to get lots of trust so far, um, like Michael Hutchison was supposed to have. So good move for Toronto. The price may be up for debate on how big it is yeah um i i guess i guess like like you said before it was a big thing was just hutchison leafs fans the leafs were kind of fed up with him and i think i think that's a good good for toronto their goaltending struggle but i think at the same time toronto's defense hasn't been great and i feel like the past couple of games hutchison actually played okay from what i've seen um he would let in one bad goal a game which obviously you can't do when you're making a playoff push but i think it it's not just the defense or Hutchinson, they're not mutually exclusive. Both weren't uh, to the level they they could have been. And another thing, like Kyle Clifford, I feel like the narrative around Toronto has been that they lacked toughness and they wanted sort of someone along the lines to replace Kadri's grit, um, however much stock we want to put into that. 
Um, and Campbell's a good backup. You know, his his numbers in LA weren't great, but that's also LA. I th- I think it was pretty gutty to play him uh, on the back to back this week last weekend. Well, this past week I don't think they really had much of a choice, right, yeah. with the injury to Anderson. No, like, I mean Kaskasua wasn't. I so you guys are okay. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. So anyway, um, but yeah, I thought I think it's like LA gets younger too, and like I don't know the only issue I guess I'm not I'm not sure what the timeline is for Ilya Mikheyev, but that makes your four left wingers Janssen, Hyman, Engvall, and Clifford, which is okay. But I think they use Engvall as a center a lot too now. So. I think he's been I. Don't call me, but I think he's been bouncing back and forth. Look at us yeah. talking about the Leafs. <laughs> anyway. So uh, the one interesting thing for me, a uh, couple quick things. Uh, Toronto now, I was looking. I found this just a, doesn't really mean anything. This sort of something funny I found on their cap f- friendly. So in this year's draft, Toronto has now one second, two fourths, three sixths, yes. and three sevenths. So a lot of bulk in the back end of the draft not much up front but that is the price you pay when you are a contender yep also we've talked about for toronto's point of view la's point of view they got prospects on the way yeah um they obviously need to get faster more skilled uh they used to they had the reputation as being the heavy team of the nhl for years so this is a good move for them on paper replacing kyle clifford with a younger faster and perhaps more skilled trevor moore yeah and Trevor Moore is from California, so yes, um, he's going home. Another, yeah, I saw. That. I actually looked that up, and that was nice. That yeah, yeah that's nice. That's a nice move. Um, moving on, something that hasn't been talked about enough, and only sort of like a tiny bit of hockey Twitter is talking about it. That is the Buffalo Sabers. Um, <laughs> the Buffalo Sabers are a really weird team, uh, mainly because they're not very good, and I feel like expectations were a little bit higher for them. Um, what do you guys think the issue is? This is what third, fourth year of Eichel. With them, um, well, it's definitely not Eichel. I think we can no, no, no. I'm, I know. I'm saying like the expectations were higher because you have Eichel, you have uh, Rasmus Dahlin, who for some reason on Sabres Twitter is getting a lot of criticism. Um, Rasmus Ristolainen is, is having a bit of a rough year. Uh, Jeff Skinner's been brutal. What do you guys think is wrong with the Buffalo Sabres? Uh, we'll start with you, Nick. All right, let's start with what isn't wrong with the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, Jack Eichel. Uh, that's it. Oh, and and the uh, 50th year anniversary jersey or yeah. whatever it is. Those, those nice. are the only two things not currently wrong with the Buffalo Sabres. Yeah, obviously things are a big mess right now. I draw a lot of comparisons with my time watching Ottawa to sort of the situation there. They, they've had a lot of crap going on. I don't know if any of you guys have heard the rant. So on uh, 5.50 AM radio, I think that's the Buffalo station, yeah. they had a fan call in named Dwayne. And he went on just an insane four-minute rant, pouring his heart out. Guy's a like lifelong season ticket holder, poured everything he has <clears throat> in his life into that team and how disappointed he is. So let's just take a step back, and I'll go through a bit of a timeline here if you guys want to chime in on the way. I'm sure most of our points on this are Sure, yeah. Yeah. So for me, most of this downfall really started when they traded Ryan O'Reilly in the summer of 2017 or 2018 sorry that was the the return was underwhelming at first like that Patrick Berglund Vladimir Sobotka Tage Thompson a couple of picks and Ryan O'Reilly in his first year in St. Louis went on to win the Stanley Cup and the Conn Smythe as well as the Selkie that one does not look good and that really depleted them up the middle because arguably I don't know your guys thoughts on that they would have had one of the best one two center punches in Eichel and O'Reilly right now I also checked I don't know if this is correct daily faceoff has Curtis Lazar listed as their second line center as I don't know if that's legit because they also had him as the fourth 
Um, but overall, I just I just think their lineup is a little scattered. Um, Ocposo, I keep forgetting he's in the league. I'll be completely honest. He's been pretty yep. consistent for the last three years, but his production obviously took a dip this year. Uh, Jimmy VC, the highly touted college player, has eight goals. Um, Michael Froelich, he's playing on the second line. He has one point in 13 games. Uh, and the biggest issue that I feel like not a lot of people are talking about is Jeff Skinner. I concur. Yeah, I was um, going to chime in the, with Skinner The next. big deal, the eight-year, $72 million, which is a huge overpay for a winger who's sort of consistently been around... 35 goals yeah he looked like he took a step up next year like jeff skinner for everybody who's watched him i've watched him a decent amount throughout his career and i've always thought like the skills were always absolutely there for him to be Mm -hmm. just like a game-breaking effective top six forward um game-breaking might be a stretch depends what your definition on it is but he is a hell of a player on his day and he looked like he took a big step up last year oh yeah this year he has been so so poor yeah and they really need him to be better they got seven years left after this year yeah, on contract. Brutal. And if this is a sign of what things are to come, oh boy. Um, so fans now, for like it looks like online and evidence by Dwayne in Buffalo the Caller, right. um, fans are really starting to turn against the uh, Pagulas, Terry and Kim, the owners of the team, who also own the Buffalo Bills. And evidenced by some of their free agent deals and uh bringing in some of the coaches that they have spending has never been the problem of the pagulas but i think a lot of their hockey operations management has been pretty poor yeah the buffalo sabers have had eight general managers all time and they're currently on their third one under the ownership of the pagulas um what's his face murray um tim murray was a big failed experiment um they might have let him go a little preemptively when they did, but uh, Jason Botterill has just epically flopped. Yeah, to this Luke, point. did you want to chime? In? I feel like yeah, you've been there quite been a bit. Chime I in a little bit, Buffalo. I don't. Re- I mean, <clears throat> I, I don't think uh, I don't think there's one um, person or uh, executive that is kind of driving this into the ground. I think, uh, especially in terms of the players, there's a lot of guys that are just they're not vastly underperforming but just aside from uh jack eichel i think everyone yeah just is a step below where they should be especially uh jeff skinner um Brutal. and then uh to a lesser extent darlene as well like those guys those guys are supposed to be uh i i, I wouldn't maybe wouldn't go as far to say face of the franchise but they're they've like they've th- got to be better no i feel like the I feel like maybe not maybe now, Dullian, but I feel yeah, yeah maybe Dullian because when when that was the pick, he was supposed he was like the complete package. He yeah. could do everything, and I feel like he's having an okay year. He's not having a great year. Offensively, um, he's having a good year. Yeah, I, but I, that whole team really really struggles on yeah. the defensive end. Um, Ristolainen, that was the big. We were looking at him today. Yeah, that was the big issue with them under Dan Bilesma is that they just couldn't defend. Yeah, and they were hoping Ralph Kruger was going to bring back some structure into <clears> that team, and. You know, as interesting of a guy as Ralph Kruger is, it just really hasn't worked to this point. Yeah, but. I don't know how much of that you can put on coaching. Like, everybody knows. It's been known for a long time that Rasmus Ristolainen is an ineffective player um, in his own zone, and he's more of just a power play specialist at this point. Same goes for Brendan Montour. And Henry Yoki Haru hasn't been great in his own zone. Neither has Dalene. Like, the list goes on. We can sit here and name out every defenseman that's played for them. Colin Miller, another one that was supposed to be, like, a big ad for them in the offseason. He hasn't worked. It's just a complete failure in roster construction to me at this point 
I don't know where you go from here because that organization's already been through a lot of pain. They've already rebuilded. Like they had some of the worst seasons of uh, yeah. like the last 30 years just earlier on in the 2010s. And I, can they go through that again? Can the fans afford to go through that again? Like that's painful for them. But if this rebuild hasn't worked, you have to blow it up and try again because yeah. you, you can't just keep forcing this to w- try and work. Yeah. They, they look each year at the beginning like they're just going to break through remember last year what was it the 11 game winning streak that they had yeah and we they, thought... they essentially had to play 500 hockey down the stretch and yeah. they were going to make the playoffs easy and everybody thought the same thing was happening this year they had a good run in october yeah. and november and they've just faltered again and again they can't keep trying to make this team work yeah i i think it is a a tricky situation in Buffalo and I do think sometimes there are just teams where despite maybe having the talent or those players like VC's a good hockey player Arpozo's a good hockey player Skinner's a good hockey player um Rista Line and despite his underlying numbers not being great he can put up some offense like he has sure. this year he's, I think he's closing in on 30 points anyway um I just think some teams won't have it but I want to move on real quick because Saturday night I believe it was Saturday when Vancouver was playing Calgary Calgary there was a video circulating around hockey Twitter of Scott Oak. Yes. Yep. Of Elias Pettersson. Elias. Take Elias Pettersson, I'm sorry. Elias. 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 Elias Pet whatever, man. Taking what some considered <laughs> abuse on the ice. I think some can the the, d- the caption can... said, let's look uh, at the okay. abuse. It, I it think it depends it's... on you know, there's gonna be a large portion of people that say it's not abuse it's just the game but yeah it depends what you're it, it's I, a bit all of three in here are going to say it's abuse but three people elsewhere aren't going to say I, it's yeah play. It's, it's anyways back to your point yeah so um if i had the live stream unfortunately apologize it's down but it's some of it i think is is i guess I, i'm not i'm not gonna use the word abuse i'm not gonna throw the word abuse i think some of it is just their penalties penalties and some, i don't not like, all of them though some no, of them some of them, of them some of them is just what happens when you're a hockey player so um, this sort of segues into the topic that I know, Luke, you really wanted to talk about, and that was our star players targeted and should we, there should be like a conscious effort to protect them? What do you think? Are our star players targeted more yes. than the average player? I, I, Luke's going to have a lot to say. Go ahead. Um, go ahead. You have the well, floor, Luke. As, as a fan of a team with a superstar, uh, at least Can't one. Um, <laughs> I cannot relate. Yeah, I think I, I don't get it. Like. Th- that that montage of it was probably four or five plays uh, that they ran that at least two of them maybe three four are penalties and mm-hmm. I don't know why they aren't called um, it happened in Boston he missed a game because of it he was hit oh, did he? later than two seconds after the puck I don't understand um, yeah I I agree in the one half thing internally Vancouver as a team needs to step up. Um, it's giving me nightmares. It's giving me PTSD about 2011 all over again because a lot of people say that's the reason Vancouver lost in 2011, and I uh, I am very willing to entertain that idea. But it's not only Vancouver that needs to that needs to do something. It's it's the league and the officiating as well. Um, I'm I'm not sure that uh, a team defense like that, that a team coming to the defense of a superstar is the attitude that the NHL wants to enforce, and when they don't, um, when they don't do anything about it, when Pedersen gets beat up, you know what? I won't even say Pedersen. Obviously, everyone knows I'm referencing Pedersen in this case. Well, but that was the recent case, so that's it why could we brought be, it up. That's fine. It could be anyone. Yeah. Um, when a superstar gets beat up like that, 
and the league doesn't do anything. It's just, it's, I, I don't get it. I, I'm not sure. I totally disagree with the idea that the league is trying to encourage them to be tougher. That doesn't make any sense. These are penalties and they need to be called as penalties. Yep. Um, it's a totally separate issue in Vancouver's case right now that Roussel, Vertanen, uh, didn't do anything that that's its own thing um, and I would be upset separately with the team but uh, that can't take anything away from the fact that I like I, I wish we had the live stream today yeah, that's but everyone that's go watch Pedersen get hit in Boston on Tuesday and it's who, it's who, a tweeted, joke. who was it that tweeted the video of like the, the montage of him getting getting I don't slapped. know so yeah. basically for those who don't know it was just a bit of Pedersen getting slashed cross-checked there was one slew foot that I thought was pretty vicious yeah um, Backland, right? yeah I think yeah. I think it's a bit of both personally I agree with both of what you said I do think NHL officiating every year I think it's getting worse um, with goalie interference calls with the offside calls I feel like there's a lot of gray areas and a sort of lack of clarity with what the officials know what to do and I think the Pedersen thing those have to be called um, but at the same thing, I do feel like there is some importance of having having your first of all, star players are targeted. We know this, yeah. but also having I do think it's important to have a player stick up for your star player. I think I that, agree, I, but I think they're that's separate issues. Important. They are separate issues. Yes. Do you would you prefer like like you would like to see some say like a Jordy Ben or I don't know who like the tough guys on Antoine Roussel. Antoine Roussel say stick up for them if that happens because then players know not to do that. But yes, and it I would have liked to see it happen in 2011 with yep. Dan, Daniel and Henrik. And I feel like didn't. this is a this is what people talk about when teams go on playoff runs. Is this is sort of more going into like the grit narrative kind of thing? But you need a you need a Tom Wilson. You need a yeah a guy to sort of. I, when I was watching the game on Saturday, the against Calgary, it just mm-hmm. I wasn't really considering it before, but that it was almost embarrassing. Everything, and yeah. especially when this video was put out, it was embarrassing. Everything that was happening, and yeah. it was just like nothing came of it. I, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't want, I don't want Roussel to run a guy, but like you, you have to do something. I feel. Yeah, but again, it comes back to me. I like if something was happening, like the sense star player right now, probably Brady Kachuk, mm-hmm. and he's capable of defending himself in that case but he's a different kind like of star he's a player. different kind of star player but if the senators say whatever they end up with at the draft this year and that kid is in the lineup next year getting run at like Pedersen was the other night again like just naturally i'm gonna want even though i don't agree with that side of hockey i'm gonna want somebody to go in and protect the person mm-hmm. but i i still don't think it should have to come to that like if the nhl seriously stepped in and told the referees you need to call this stuff you eliminate the complete need for that, right? It's, uh, I, it, it comes back yeah. to the referees not calling that and just allowing that stuff to go, considering it a hockey play and moving on and letting the game flow. You, you need to call that stuff. Yes, you do. I think I think it's a bit of both. I feel like teams shouldn't make that their focus at all. But you're going to see a team such as Edmonton have a Cassian or at first Toronto had Matt Martin those types of players will take the slap on the risk, penalty, fine, suspension, whatever. Maybe not to deliberately and viciously attack a star player, but to do that knowing they're not going to have to take exception or be held accountable. Having a Cassian or having a Martin or having a, a Kachuk or, or Brady Kachuk can defend himself, I feel like knowing that 
that's what's going to happen next might lower it. I, I get what you're saying, and I, I feel like I agree with both of you because at the end of the day, it has to be called. Yeah. But I yeah, feel like but, an enforcer is more likely to... Not an enforcer. But even if they take word, the but. penalty, how many penalties are they going to take? So say they call like two on some Flames player the other night and Vancouver scores on the power play and, oh, crap, it's a different game and Calgary's yeah. lost the game now. That guy is going to have his butt in the press box the next yep, game. true. That you... It all starts with the referees calling it. And that all just comes back to the culture of hockey and the okay. over-reliance on grit. That's okay. all it is, though. When I, I feel, I'm, so I'm in the bit of a middle, and I feel like I agree with both of you. <clears throat> Luke, go ahead. When Pedersen gets, um, you know, like face-washed or a jab to the back of the legs or something, that's when I want to see, uh, again, I'll use Roussel, uh, come in and do something. Even, even if he just... Uh, you know, does it back to whoever did it to Pedersen. That that's when I want to see uh, the teammates come in. When Pedersen gets, I don't even know what it when when Pedersen gets like sideswiped into the boards in Boston or thrown to the ice in Florida. That's when the NHL needs to step in. Sure, I would like to see some retaliation from Vancouver. That was a huge deal when Matheson hit Pedersen last year. No retaliation, mm-hmm. and even when they played again later in the season, no retaliation. But depending on what it is, yes, yeah, sometimes, um, sometimes it's it's just it's a matter of between the two teams, and I think the officials understand that. Yep. Uh, but when it gets serious, and when players are getting injured and missing games, and the NHL doesn't do anything, I think that's yeah. Well, absurd. that's the thing, right? If Elias Pettersson gets hurt on that slew foot on Saturday night, if he misses a month of hockey right now, the Vancouver Canucks don't make the playoffs. No. That's what happens. But we can't keep leaving this to the, oh, the players will police themselves and everything's going to work out if the Canucks go and retaliate. This is how Steve's Moore career ended because it was all retaliation. The NHL didn't step in. Sure, they call some of the head stuff now, but we need to continue to change hockey until stuff like that, the cheap shots and the cross checks that are considered the quote-unquote hockey plays, stop because... Those still hurt players. And the thing about it that really angers me is that the NHL, at the end of the day, just it looks like they're not protecting their star players. Elias Pettersson is a star player. He needs to play 82 games in a season in this league. Like, that's just how it is. He's that good. He shouldn't have to be taken out by a lesser player on the Calgary Flames, just like Victor Arvidsson didn't need to be taken out earlier this year by Robert Bortuzzo with... What was that? That was like oh, just a that was cross gross. check. That, that was, was gross. That was gross. That was like, gross. why Why does the NHL continue to allow this stuff to happen? Why do the referees? It, it First, it's the referees aren't protecting the players. Like, the, I, I felt like this for a long time. The referees just <clears> don't <throat> protect the players now. That's how the game is. There's too much spill, or skill and speed and too many good players in this league to allow the fourth liners and the grit guys to continue to have all these liberties and take cheap shots on them okay i'm gonna i'm gonna chime in real quick because we do have other stuff to cover and i feel like this could transition into a future debate and i think about, we all kind of agree too I uh, kind of yes but i also feel like back to what nick said really quickly i think a player will take a, a penalty if they if they see their star player getting run they're gonna hit someone and fight someone they don't care about the penalty because they saw their star player uh, now it's a pipe hey, dream in vancouver but. okay but this is this is a an interesting topic and i feel like later on maybe uh 
our reading week show, we can discuss fighting and hockey because this is a bigger picture and we're talking about it in some of our classes. I don't want to get too much into this debate, uh, mainly because we have other stuff to cover and it was just specifically about star players. But fighting and hockey, we will have that debate at some point. Yeah, I this, know is, we this all is a good prelude to that. And like, yeah, I know we do. I, we all have some, some different opinions on that. I am very much for fighting and hockey, as you all know. Are you guys good to move on to the next couple topics? Because we do have a fun little segment yes, at the end we want to get course. to. Okay. Um, really quickly, Ilya Kovalchuk's resurgence um, also happens to be in Montreal. Uh, Just a coincidence. The talk of his decline was so greatly exaggerated, I have to say. Um, playing in L.A., playing on the fourth line, he wasn't getting the minutes, um, I guess, we expected. Um I thought he'd be solid, and for league minimum, you can't really complain. I didn't think he would produce this much. Um, 12 points and 15 games. Three of his six goals have been game winners. Uh, what do you guys think of Ilya? For league minimum, anyone in uh, a situation like Montreal's or even otherwise, that's a. I think that's a no-brainer to pick him up. And um, obviously, it's paying off more than I think anyone would have anticipated. But um, yeah, no, for league minimum, that's, that's fine. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, really. again, it's a easy flyer that i don't know 20 other teams should have taken like i don't i, I don't know why the boston bruins didn't do it yeah like that w- that one just confused a, a, me so much why it was montreal yeah who took the flyer on the guy there yeah, arizona, arizona comes to mind <laughs> boston comes boston, to mind it was rumored earlier that boston boston has interest again but earlier on in the season boston was the team that he was supposed to go to and that would right. be scary he'd be terrifying in Boston. well they they were the ones that also offered him a contract when yeah. he was coming back from the khl yeah and they just wouldn't go that third year with him they were right not to do that but at the same time like i don't know why when he was available for literally free why montreal was yeah. the ones to do it why mark bergevin of all people had the wherewithal he's so smart pick up this guy <laughs> very intelligent man uh anyway i i <laughs> like brain. it obviously i can't really complain yeah, he, and i feel like it's good it's uh it sparked a debate as to whether or not Montreal should maybe bring him back for a year or two, if they should trade him, the rumors are a second. Yeah, um, and I also I think it also goes to show how starved Montreal is for actually some star talent. We haven't had like a pure goal scorer in a very long time. I guess Pacioretty, but even then, the way Kovalchuk plays is just so exciting. Um, yeah. As a Habs fan, I'd be fine with either. I'm fine getting a second, um, and I'm also fine bringing him back next year. I feel like having a veteran of that caliber. You, you would has be been okay good. if Montreal held on to him after the deadline. If they had him back next year, I wouldn't be upset. It's cool. It's cool. Honestly, less. It would be better to trade him, and I feel like that's what's best for the organization. But this I really comes... wouldn't complain to to have him next. It's just fun to see Ilya Kovalchuk and Hazard. That's what it comes down sure, to. Sure, but you still got to keep in mind. Look, I don't know how accurate a set. Like a set, I heard the second round pick thing. Like that's what Bergevin wants. No, that's what that's what Pierre LeBron said. The interest from. I would doubt. Be. He fetches that. He's got this is this is a fifteen game stretch. He's played well and he's shooting double what he did in LA. Like I think Kovalchuk is good. He should somebody should pick him up. I don't know if a second is worth it for a guy that's had a good fifteen game stretch. Um but with Montreal and Kovalchuk, I don't know. It goes back to what exactly is the Canadians' plan. I don't think anybody knows. I don't think Mark Bergevin knows what the Canadians' plan yeah. is. Uh, they should be blowing it up and yep. continuing to rebuild young talent, in which case you absolutely should take whatever you can get for Kovalchuk at this point because you signed him for free and you're making a quick profit off a 15-game sample that you paid nothing to get him. 
And I don't know, it all comes back to what Montreal is planning. But obviously, you can revisit the summer and have him back because he sunk two Canadian rivals with uh, overtime winners in his 15 yeah. games here. And that's pretty much like in your eyes, like what you're saying. That's pretty much endeared himself to the fans already. It's more It's more just fun. Trading him would make more sense long-term and in terms of the, what Montreal could get, but it's just fun seeing you. I have an interesting little Go ahead, fact. Man. I don't know if maybe some really... Uh, anyway, uh, So 10 years ago and six days, uh, Ilya Kovalchuk was traded from the Atlanta Thrashers with Ansi Salmella and a round two pick in the 2010 draft, which was John Merrill, to the Devils for Johnny Oduya, Nicholas Bergforce, Patrice Cormier, a round one pick in the 10 draft, which was Kevin Hayes, and a round two pick round in the 10 two. draft, That's which funny. was Justin Hall. That's kind of fun. It is. I've never heard anyone say round one or round two. Well, I was just reading it. That, verbatim, no, you're just funny. You're yeah, making I'm, okay. I'm a funny guy. Uh, we don't want to spend too much time on that. Um, before we get into our segment at the end, um, Playoff race, who sneaks in? Who are your top three? We'll start with the Metro. I'm going to go first. Uh, I have the Metro more or less staying the same. I have Washington, Pittsburgh, and the Islanders. Right now, Columbus is in that spot. Um, obviously, the Seth Jones injury being that out definitely. That's just brutal. And I think that the Islanders have, I don't know how, they're not that good of a team. Um, lots of credit to Barry Trotz they've still been playing very well I would say Washington Pittsburgh and the New York Islanders as my top three yeah I I don't know with the Islanders like they I read a good thing talking about like their defensive structure and while it looks like they get they do give up a lot of shots they don't give up a lot of quality and they don't give up a lot of chances off the rush that Mm -hmm. sort of explains that one um without getting into it too much but I really wanted Columbus to do this because Elvis Merzlikens is like the story of the season for me it's pretty awesome to see how he's succeeded there and John Tortorella has to win the Jack Adams at this point because what a job he's done after losing four players to unrestricted free agency so what would your three be I don't know I didn't write it down I didn't know that's what we were preparing for this but what you said would make sense Washington Pittsburgh and the Islanders they're pretty much Washington Pittsburgh are a tier above everybody but um, the Islanders are there the Blue Jackets are there I know the Flyers are there points wise, but I don't necessarily like them compared to either of the other two hurricanes. teams. So yeah, her, oh, right, um, forgot about the Hurricanes. So, yeah, so I ha- and then Luke, we'll go through your Metro real quick. Uh, it's the same thing, but just for the sake of discussion, I'll say uh, Pittsburgh, Washington, New York. Okay, the Atlantic is a little bit. Um, I feel like it's a little bit tougher to predict the Atlantic. I mean, like Nick said, Pittsburgh, Washington. I, are again, the top. Above. I think the top three are top, pretty much sewn up. I, I would say Boston, top Tampa. two. I'd say top two. And then it's just Toronto's a matter of Toronto and Florida. Yeah, yeah so because I, I had Boston, Tampa, I had Toronto getting the third. And then for the wild card, I had Carolina coming out of the Metro and Florida coming out of the Atlantic. Um, it is I, close. New York's... I think both wild cards are coming out of the Metro. So after Carolina, who is it? What do you What do you mean? Where? Like, I, so I, ha- I had Florida out of the Atlantic and Carolina out of the Metro. Who's your other Metro team? Uh, Columbus. Columbus, okay. Cool. Yeah, no, if Toronto can stay healthy, they've had a lot of uh, bad luck with injuries this year, but if they can stay healthy down the stretch, there's no reason why they shouldn't be in. And they've yeah, improved, I think they, they've improved in. under Sheldon Keefe. So they have. there's no reason. Like they, to, Toronto has to make the playoffs. Florida's right, right there, though. Yeah, yeah Florida is really close. Now. It's going to be, like, be a good battle. Um, 
It's it's a close. Florida is two games in hands, two games in hand, and only two points behind. So. And Montreal's bubbling around over there. Not uh, no, not really. No, they're not. Kind not of, really. Kind nah, of. They've got kind of no, negative no, one not. game in hand no, and five points behind. I see them on the on the sh- on the sheet here. They are. No, they're yeah, not. they're listed. They're they they're, are in the. Standings. They haven't been relegated yet. But anyway, they're there. Uh, Western Conference. I feel like Pacific's a little bit. The Pacific is the biggest crapshoot in NHL history. It's like a history. ten point difference from i think first and okay actually western is more dramatic but if you're just looking at pacific it's still um, one to five is just well bonkers. let's do the central i'm assuming yeah. it's all the same st louis colorado dallas yeah those are yeah. three really easy ones they should stay there yep <clears throat> um for the pacific i'll go first real quick i have vegas um being above uh vancouver mainly just because a lot of their players are getting hot at the right time uh mark stone's uh, been playing pretty well um wait what you, you, you just said Mark Stone. And, okay, sorry. Continue. He plays for Vegas. I know. And then you said okay. he's getting hot. You said Vancouver, but yes, yeah. Vegas, as in they're going to be above Vancouver. Okay, all right. Sorry. It's just a prediction. I still have Vancouver there. Good. Anyway, Vegas, Vancouver, Edmonton. That's my three from the Pacific. Um, yeah, uh, I've got. Van- I think Vancouver's going to win the division, Luke. I, I think they're going to do it. There, there's been these lost little three, uh, four. Well, no, three and an OT loss, uh, and they're starting to get some injuries. Besser's out for two games. Um, Patterson shaken up, obviously, and like I said, they're kind of looking like the 2011 Canucks. Look, they've got their. There's been these little underlying signs that the Canucks have been decent all year, and if they can continue to get decent goaltending, I think they should be able to do it. I all all I can say is I. Um, Actually, I'm going to cry either way, probably. I, I know I'm going to cry if they make the playoffs, especially if it's, like, down to one game. Okay, take it but easy, if they miss the playoffs, I will be so upset. I just, I, I don't know if I can do that again. But, the interesting uh, one for me in that division, Arizona is currently on the outside sorry, looking getting in. a bit emotional. Arizona's oh out by one point right now. They have to make it, right, after getting Taylor Hall? They have to. But, but who, do you, who okay. do you drop out? Oh, Calgary. Calgary or Winnipeg. Winnipeg. Winnipeg is on his tear. Yeah, They're I had bad. Winnipeg as my. They're bad. Winnipeg. I had Winnipeg making the. First. That team is not good. Hot take. Haven't had those in a while. On take to take, I had Winnipeg making the first wild card. I had Winnipeg making the first, and then Arizona, just because I think they should, but they've been not what people expected them to be with Taylor Hall. So if it's not Arizona, it has to be Calgary because at least Calgary's been a bit more consistent than Arizona. Arizona, Hall's been fine. But it's not like their record has has even. They keep getting screwed every year by their goalies getting hurt. Like Kemper got hurt at the yeah. worst time this year. Anyway, even then, two wild card teams go. Okay, um, uh, let's let's go Vancouver. Arizona Nashville. Yeah, I was sorry. I was just gonna say um, before we get there. There's Nashville, Minnesota, Nashville. Chicago, all right there. I don't like, think Nashville uh, again. Way too good to be like they're like Toronto. Way too good to be out. Yeah. Chicago, on Chicago, two games in hand on Arizona and three points behind. Like it's it's so possible. After Chicago, Anaheim, San Jose, L.A. Finally, the California teams are struggling, which I love to see. But uh, no, from uh, so do I. From one, <laughs> yeah, me too. it's great. <laughs> from one to like thirteen. Well, I mean, it's tricky with divisions. Who are your but, two wildcard okay, teams? Sorry, I was in uh, Winnipeg and Vancouver. Okay, I had Winnipeg and Arizona. Um, but if not Arizona, definitely a team, probably Calgary. Um, definitely, like, 
one of the one teams of there. Um, oh. It'll be interesting for sure because some teams are going to make it and some teams aren't. And that's the uh, Drew. Wow. That I'm is, thinking of you, Drew. I have never <laughs> considered that. I've never considered that some teams might yeah. make it and others might not. We. Yeah. It's kind of sad. Like, some, like half the league just doesn't get to go to playoffs. I know. All right. Fun segment the time. segment. We, this was Nick's idea. I don't want to take the credit. But we were thinking of doing and talking and discussing about the best line and D pairing post-lockout era, so post-2004. Of the salary cap era. Of the salary cap era, yep. Um, one line, one defense pairing. I didn't pick one specific line. I wrote a bunch down. Honestly, I have like five lines here. Yeah, I figured um, we'd have more of like a, just a discussion about <clears throat> this. Like we each like name some lines here and we'll, then like we'll we start can sort early of come on. to it. Yeah. We'll start closer to the to the lockout. Um, Do you... Can I start with my lines? Yes. You and then you guys might, can give thoughts. We have, we all have, might have we probably all have the same lines. Okay, I have I have a bias line. Yep. I have the cash a cash line. A, <laughs> I have a bias line, uh, a really underrated line and a current line. So, um, my bias line is they've got lots of names. Uh I like the, the cash, ca- the cash line. Okay. Uh, That's the, such a the, good name. P- the pizza line was used a lot. Why? Uh so just let me just say it's Danny Heatley, Jason Spezza and Daniel Alfredson. Yeah. They played from 0506 and 0607 together. They were both all on the team two years after that, but they sort of got split up. Anyways, yeah, pizza line because apparently they had some promotion in Ottawa back in the day. If like Ottawa scored like five goals or something, like everybody gets to redeem pizza with their tickets, so they always won people pizza. But uh, the cash line, uh, 296 points combined in 0506, 50 Heatley goals, 70 Spets assists. And 0607, 279 points between them, 50 Heatley goals. Spezza had a 1.3 points per game, and they each had 22 points in the playoffs to go with it. So on the cup run, right? Yeah, in pure production, that like has to be just the point totals for that line are staggering. Like in terms of pure production, pure offense, that has to be arguably the best one. But uh, up there, I put with it from the same era. They, now this line, I get, this one's kind of cheating because they used it sometimes. But San Jose had a line of Marlowe, Thornton, and Chichu back then, and in 0506 uh, they had 271 points between them. And Jonathan Chichu had 56 goals, <clears throat> which is just absurd, seeing as how he, he was out of the NHL within like three years. And in 0607 they had 261 points between them, and Thornton had 92 assists. Hmm. which is, again, just absurd. So I put them in there because those two, like, bananas statistics from each year. And obviously, Marshan Bergeron-Pasternak is the modern-day version of all these. There's less scoring in the league now, but it's so impressive what they're able to do and what they've been able to do for the past few years. And their defensive impact is equally as staggering, more so than the other two teams I named. So those are my three forward lines that really jumped out at me, but... The cash line or the pizza line will always hold a special place in my heart. Uh, go ahead, Luke. Well, yeah, I'll go because <clears throat> I had two, and you mentioned both of them. Um, the uh, Boston line, obviously. I don't think there's any debate there. And then um, my brother is a Suns fan, and I remember he, Wait, he is. Yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> he uh, he nice. adored the the cash line. Um, so I've kind of always known known about that one so those were my two. my one question about the boston line uh the name the perfection line has been floated a lot like, yeah around a lot yeah about them does anybody actually use that because that's like i like the cash line the pizza line or like 
uh, the Triple Crown that they had in L.A. back in like the seventies. Like the, these are fun names. Yeah. Like, what is the perfection? I, one? Well, I think. Well, yeah. I, I that's. I don't think anyone wants to call a line. Like it's like calling. They're tra- it's, it's like they're really. The, they're really the trying to super force it. Super good line. Like NBC? Patterson Besser Miller. Yeah, it's called the really really good players <laughs> line. Somewhere down. NBC Somewhere down is really trying to force that one. I just don't. But actually, Patterson Besser Miller. It's the Lotto line. Do you guys know why? No, no. Lotto six forty nine. Oh, that's six. funny. That's pretty good. That's I like pretty um, I like oh, good, isn't it? L A had yes. that seventies line, which was Pearson, Toffoli, and Jeff Carter. That seventies line. Tanner. Pretty good. Yeah, Tanner Pearson. He's pretty sick. Um, yeah. I have mine. So yeah, I had in, in 07, I had Healy Spets Alfredson, but to go a little bit uh, into the future, not into the future, but past two thousand seven, I. I wrote a bunch of lines down. Uh, a big one in 2011 was Ovechkin, Backstrom, and Mike Knubel. Um, Mike Knubel. Not a lot of people. I know okay, Knubel. I think but that Knubel was like, carried that line. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't think. Um, I had Kane, Taves, and Sharp. I yes, wrote brilliant. Bobby Ryan, Ryan Gesslap, Corey Perry. That's a good-looking line. Yeah. Kane, Taves, um, and Sharp. Holy. I can't really. I don't know. They're all so good. I, but I feel like I want, I want to talk about the defense. Okay, yeah, you you can start defense pairings then. Um, <clears throat> also, I f- before we do that, I feel like you could make a case not now because it's too recent, but eventually there's going to be a case for Marshawn, Bergeron, Pasternak, or yes. Landeskog, McKinnon, Rantanen. That was a big debate we had amongst our friend group um, between which is the better line. Got a lot it's of friends. Okay, clearly the, the Boston. There is a tier, one is a tier above the other, and the Colorado one's on the second tier. So. So Boston yes. is on the top tier. Correct. Awesome. Patrick, uh, name all. The, you and I, we went over this already. We had a lot of similar defense ones. So yeah. I don't know. Name some of yours, and then um, like, I can I finish only, them, and Luke can say what he I has. just have one. I only so. have one okay. as well. I have, well. Cool. Uh, you each have one. Go for it. Well, I I, an, well, I was going to say uh, uh, Lidstrom and Rafalski, but yeah. the one that I wanted to touch on was uh, Pronger and Niedermeyer. Um, oh, that's <clears throat> absurd. 59 absurd. points in 66 games for Pronger, 69 points in uh, 77 games combined for 128 points. Um, they didn't play a full season that year and both still managed to put up 128 points Ottawa between them. Ottawa wins the cup that year if it's um, not for that pairing. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. That, anyway. that, that D pairing against the cash line was like the craziest thing ever. Yeah. Anyway, so that that was one, and I feel like if we wanted to talk about some of them that have been more recent, uh, Keith and Seabrook, although Seabrook did kind of decline rather quickly, um, Weber Suter well, was another goes, one. Uh, there goes mine. That we talked about earlier. But yeah, that, that mine, the main one was Pronger and Niedermeyer. Yeah, mine was uh, Keith and Seabrook. So we can have the same one. That's um, not a big deal. I don't really have any numbers <clears throat> to back it up, but I just know that was we a, know they were good. That was a heck yeah. of a pairing. Um, uh, Vancouver played them like three years in a row in the playoffs or something. Uh, and then after that, they did. Well, I wouldn't say Keith kind of fell off, but Seabrook kind of fell off. Yeah, but that was a good pairing. Um, underrated ones. I put a couple of underrated ones. Like I had everybody you guys just said, like obviously Lidstrom Rafalski, it feels like it's cheating because yeah. they were like dominant 10 years before that. But man, like two just absolute studs, Hall of Famers on the blue line. Um, so I had Keith and Seabrook as well. And uh, Shea Weber and Ryan Suter for Very what they good. became. Like, wow. they o- We only got to see them for just a little bit. Um so yeah, that one's good. And another one we only got to see for a little bit was uh, Brent Burns and Dan Boyle. That one was pretty good. Lots of offensive upside on that one. So a couple of uh, things to chew on there. But yeah. Oh, and 
just got reminded another one I put down here as like pure shutdown in the NHL. I don't think we've seen a better one the past ten years than Oduya and Jalmerson. Yeah, very good. Like the black <clears throat> the Blackhawks man just won the cup on the backs of those four guys that we've named. But that just period of time was also some of like the best playoff hockey that was happening. I, like I, that hasn't been topped yet for me from from the playoff hockey that I've watched. Um, what would you, if you guys were to pick one right now? In the league, I haven't put any thought into this now either. So, but in if you guys could pick right now? one right now, which pairing would that be? I don't know, Carlson Burns still, but no, um, they both had terrible years. But I don't know, Makar and uh, Gerard is kind of cool. Yeah, that one's that one's cool. <laughs> um, Hedman Ruta, just because it's Hedman. But I don't know, we don't see many like just two yeah. sick blue liners they playing spl- together they anymore, spread right? It out. Yeah, Hughes and Edler. Yeah, that's that, fine. That, like, is, that's a fine that is a good yeah. pairing. That is a good pairing. That's fine. Good idea, Luke. Okay, do we want to do... That was a cool segment. Do we want to do Tankathon? Yeah, do so... Do simulator? Well, yeah, I can't go up on the live stream, but I'll, I'll trust Nick to... Yeah, uh, um, you guys just talk, and then I'll pull up the site. So I last I checked, at the, well, Detroit's obviously still last. Well, they beat Boston the other day, and if I know anything about how hockey works, that means Detroit's now first in the league, so... Mm. We are pulling up the site here. Do we remember who won last week when we Buffalo. did it? Buffalo yeah. did last week. Okay. So we're going to sim the lottery right now. Three highest chances are Detroit, Los Angeles, and Ottawa. So we are going Wait, to send. let's hedge our bets on uh, who we think is going to win. I'm going to go uh, take a quick look at the standings. I'm going to go uh, Sharks. Uh, where's Anaheim there? They're up to be pretty. Anaheim is six highest chance. Sharks, I'll, I'll, just for you, Nick. <clears throat> Sharks. Um, Thanks, yeah, just for you, Nick. Anaheim. Yeah. Okay. Go Ducks. All right, ready? Three, two, one. And the Minnesota Wild jumped up eight Whoa. spots. Oh, to that win today. sucks. That's whack. Yeah, that's terrible. Chicago Blackhawks for <clears> the <throat> second year straight win a lottery pick. This time they pick second. So as if they needed another good player, they need uh, they get Quentin Byfield. And Los Angeles gets the third one with Detroit dropping down to fourth, which would be so hurt because they've won 14 games this year. And Ottawa to fifth. Jeez. Imagine losing to Detroit. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't even Couldn't, think yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, totally, guys. Well, we've got some time left here. Uh, Patrick and Luke, anything you guys want to say about the Canadians or the Canucks heading into this week. We are coming up on the trade deadline. Sitting week. Soon. It's sitting week. Um, sitting week. Who cares about the trade deadline? It's sitting week in Vancouver. Um, and I've kind of talked enough about the negative things happening out there right now. So this is going to be really fun. I'm skipping uh, our social <laughs> gathering on Wednesday to watch the jerseys get retired, which will What's be... What's our social gathering on Wednesday? Oh, you weren't invited. Sorry about that. Oh. Um, anyways, maybe next year. Yeah. Um, so that'll be, that'll be super nice. They dedicated a whole week to them, which I thought was very fitting. Uh, a lot of, st- I read an article this morning about, um, a whole bunch of former players with all the good things they have to say. So, uh, it's nice to be distracted by a current four game losing streak. Well, I didn't get invited to the social gathering either, but it's I ra- was able to it's read, ram. I was oh, able to read ram. about Ryan Kessler today. And Luke, I just want to quickly grab your thoughts. So he was saying this week, in the middle of Sedin Week, which I found a bit odd, how he'd like to be remembered in some way by the Canucks fans. Well, and I get Ryan Kessler had some great years with the Canucks, but I feel good. like yes, he was, he was definitely. Yeah, no, no, I'm not going to debate um, that. But he was my favorite player. Yeah, 
is is the timing not a little inappropriate during yes. Sadine week for him to yes, be asking yes, for yes. his own acknowledgement in some way? I didn't also, see... Also, with the implications of how he left, right? So, okay. First of all, I disagree with that. Well, no, sorry. I, I personally, but Vancouver would agree with you. Vancouver hated uh, the way Kessler left. Um, I don't... I think I, I still have a lot of respect for him. Um, I agree with you, though, that it is a lot to ask. I didn't see exactly what you read. Uh, I'll probably try to find that. But um, the only reason I say that is because uh, Vancouver, to celebrate their 50th anniversary, uh, they're having one game for each decade. It's called the Era Series. So they are having a 2010 Era Series where it'll be Burroughs, Luongo, uh, Kessler, Sidines, all those guys. So that's, I'm sure, when Kessler will get his... Uh, recognition, but he did say on the Kessler and Bieksa podcast, whatever that's called, is that he's a little bit, um, I guess, sad about the way Vancouver thinks of him. But, um, you know, if he's listening, I just want him to know that I still like him. Yeah. Okay. okay. Well, that's um, fair. Montreal, they're where kind of what I thought. I had a feeling they would sort of go on a run and come up short. Um, I think they need to win like 80% of their games to make the playoffs. It'll be very close. Um, at this point, since they're closer to wild card, whatever, just to try and make the playoffs, that'd be kind of cool. Uh, I haven't experienced it in a few years, and that really sucks. So, um, But the players and their games will decide uh, what Bergevin does. If he decides to sell, perhaps um, move on from Tatar and Petrie and those guys. Um, but we will see. They play you know, kind of funny, Arizona. Yeah. No, hang on a second. Yep. Nothing's funny right now. <laughs> they play Arizona tonight, and then they play Boston on Wednesday. I think these are the two games that really decide what. You know, it's kind of funny. Bergevin does. What's funny? Going into the What's deadline. Funny, what Luke? is funny? Oh my uh, god. So we're always saying like Montreal is the new Minnesota, and uh, Minnesota and Montreal are both eleventh in their conference. <laughs> well, so Montreal has well, some prospects. You know what? At least here, yeah, Minnesota sure. just won the draft lottery. Well, uh, for us. Well, All I right. think Montreal has some future. But I I have nothing to say in on the AHL, Ottawa Senators. Maybe. They have won two games since Christmas, but Wait, with, what? Yeah, actually, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> that goes completely under the radar because they've lost so many in overtime, and we're not that uh. much closer to Detroit or the bottom of the league for it, even though we've only won twice since Christmas. But and Anthony Ottawa has four Anthony, more wins than Anthony Detroit. Duclair also hasn't scored since before Christmas. So, uh, lots of not good stuff happening in the nation's capital, but hopefully with the trade deadline coming up, we can get some good picks. That's not next week, it's the week after, am I? Uh, yes, yes, and we're not sure if we're going to have a show next week. It is reading week for us. Um, I I think if we are all here, we might go ahead and do it, but the yes. week following, it will be our second Lukeless episode. Our yes. first. Our first, first Lukeless episode. First Lukeless episode. A year episode. in, and I'll miss my yes. first one. So um, it will just be Patrick and I that day, and we'll be going through the trade deadline, and it's, it's that's sort of right around our show. Perfect so. timing, because it's at three. The yeah. deadline's at three. We'll be good. Um, but yeah, we might see you guys next week. We might not, but otherwise, thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.